action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics. I'm joined currently by Obi. How are you? I'm good, big dog. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I still don't have a, a response <laughs> to that. It's all right, but you don't have that response. I quite like it, though. There's a nickname like that in there. No, ever. Um, but, yeah, so Chris will join us uh, later. Um, surprised us last week because it was a bit earlier than thought, but it's all good. Uh, so today we're going to talk about a couple of new releases. Um, Snake Eyes, which is the G.I. Joe Origins, um, Reminiscence, which is a Hugh Jackman film, uh, two big trailers for Marvel films, um, so Eternals and Spider-Man No Way Home, but we'll wait for Chris for that, and obviously the latest episode of What If. Um, but let's start with, let's get Snake Eyes out of the way. Um, so I don't know whether you've seen the, the two G.I. Joe films that came out in the mid-noughties. Um, or- I saw the first one. Yeah, I, I said which I quite liked. I just put it out there. Okay, well, I, I didn't. They didn't really pique my interest, to be honest. I think this kind of style of action film is not necessarily my bag. Mm. But there wasn't too much else in the cinema that I wanted to well, that could watch. So I went to see Snake Eyes. So it's an origins film of a character called Snake Eyes, who, according to one of the members of cinema staff that spoke to me afterwards, said that that version didn't speak in the in the first two films um but they have decided to do an origins and made him henry golding who you will know from crazy rich asians and the gentleman um so essentially he's uh at the beginning of the film he witnesses his father being murdered by a shady looking gangster type and he then spends the rest you know the kind of his adult life trying to exact revenge he's a bit of a ghost no one knows who he is um, and he eventually comes across uh, a kind of Yakuza boss who says that he knew he knows who kills his father. Then he saves uh, one of the Yakuza from being killed, uh, who turns out to be a member of the Arash Arashikage, I think is right in saying it, uh, family, who are like mm-hmm. an elite family from Japan. Um, and then he sort of becomes aligned with them. Uh, but all the while, there's this whole double, triple cross that uh, Snake Eyes is essentially a double agent still working for the Yakuza boss to try and steal this sun gem, which uh, the Yakuza boss wants. And later on, Cobra wants, who are the big baddies, big terrorist group, Um so yeah, he basically double crosses all of his allies, uh, and then realizes that he made a big mistake. Mm. So, I mean, my thoughts on this were that the action was pretty average. In um, I read that in one of the reviews, I think it was Screen Rant, that you know that the film is shot in such close-up and it's cut to death that you yeah. can't really tell what's going on. Um, I also, like, the, for me, the most fundamental part of this film is that I did not like the character of Snake Eyes one bit. I Absolutely. thought that he was an absolute arsehole. Yeah. The, fact, the fact that, you know, he, he, he saves uh, Tommy's life 
um, and then is basically using him to get to his family kind of heirloom and by stealing that heirloom and giving it to the Yakuza, the Yakuza then destroys the Arashikage um, family home, yeah. most of their kind of ninja and then um, Akiko, who's like the kind of female um, assassin lady, she's like, oh, it's alright. Mm. You didn't mean it. Mm. And then like everyone forgives him. Like This guy gets so many chances, considering mm. the whole, f- like, throughout the whole film, it's sort of like, oh, it's all about honour and loyalty, and if you don't mm. do this, then you die. And even the three trials he does, the third one is like in a basilisk chamber, you know, chamber of secrets, and um, he's about to die, and then Akiko just decides, you know, out of nowhere to just save him. And yeah. and I think they were trying to hint at that maybe she liked him, but again, it didn't really work for me. So the main character's a douche. Tommy gets fucked over so much that he is then set up to be the villain for mm-hmm. presumably a sequel, which again mm-hmm. feels harsh. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just uh, pretty irredeemable <laughs> in a lot of ways for me. Yep. I, um... I I couldn't agree more. Um, this film's shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fucking. It's fucking crap. Like like you say, action is pretty bog standard or like not really good. There's a lot of shaky cam as well in the beginning as well, which I thought was just dumb because I couldn't. Re- like you said, I couldn't tell what was going on. Um, yeah, Henry Golden's character, Snake Eyes or whatever. Like he's the villain of this story. Like he is. He he fucks over Tommy. Bare times. I was on. I'm on Tommy's side. Like, yeah. Tommy got absolutely fucked over in this film. He gets his life saved. He they're, and they're the good guys as well. Like we've established that the, the Yakuza and the um, the Cobra. They're the bad people. Um, Snake Eyes finds out that these people are terrorists, but then still goes on and steals the whatever for them to give to the the fucking Cobra people. And I'm mm. just like, this just to me this makes no sense. And then even then, you 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 find your um your dad's killer or whatever and then you just fucking let him go so then what was the whole point of this so all those people died for fucking nothing yeah. like it was so dumb and even the um um Tommy yeah who's like the honourable one and who's played by um Andrew Koji who I quite like he's in Warrior as well they didn't give him enough fight scenes as well because he's sick at fighting like he does all his own stunts as well and they didn't give him enough to do I think as well Um but yeah so he's like honourable and like considers them as a brother and sticks his neck out for him and blah 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 and just fucks him over does the um the whole blood brothers thing cuts his hand as soon as he did the thing with the knife I was like oh okay he's going to use the blood now to get the flipping whatever it's called <laughs> that stupid MacGuffin that is completely yeah. pointless like that that weapon that they have and they have to protect but they're not allowed to use I think is fucking ridiculous and stupid yeah, and, and, and the fact that by the end of it, because Tommy uses it, he's banished from his own family. Whereas yeah. Snake Eyes, it's like, nah, see you later, mate. Swing by whenever you're near. Do you know what I mean? Know. It's so dumb. Oh. It's so, so dumb. And even the, um, what's it called? The, oh shit, I thought I was going to say now. Uh, no, fuck it. It sounds crap, man. Uh, <laughs> for me, for me, like, um, you know, if you, if your film establishes like a set of morals or a coda, um, and like an internal logic, then you have to follow that. Yeah. So, you know, this whole kind of Japanese mindset of, um, you know, honor and family and, you know, kind of if you fail, then you fail. Like it, it very quickly just goes like dispenses with that. I mean, Akiko for the first 
you know, half of it at least is really suspicious of Snake Eyes. Yeah. And then it basically establishes that he is a bit dodge and then but decides to save his life, mm. which then brings disgrace on her. Mm. And you think, what what has Snake Eyes actually done to deserve yeah. any of this? Yeah. Um, you know, the kind of head of the um Arashi Arashikage families is like uh, I should kill you, but <laughs> I'll let you go. I just, it doesn't follow its own logic. And then no. it sets up all of these characters that are presumably for a sequel, like um, that Baroness woman, um, the kind of Major right. O'Hara, um, you know. And you just think, again, you're sort of running before you've learned to walk. I don't quite know. I don't think the first two films were wildly successful, Um to then pump another hundred million into this with clear setups for the future. Like you haven't earned it. Wait till this is done decent figures first. And yeah. It it's, it's yeah, it's not good. And like just even like little things that are annoying me. Like I think I the um the woman who play who Samara even plays. I don't know if that's like a legacy character um from GI Joe like the law or whatever. But she just seemed like a mass just a knockoff Scarlet uh, Black Widow. And, was, yeah. and he's literally called Scarlet, and I was like, oh, like. <laughs> yeah. and I was thinking, like, is this an actual character, or did they, like, create this just for this, because they know that, like, Black Widow's popular with, like, uh, MCU fans and stuff like that. I wasn't sure, but, yeah, that annoyed me. And even, I think, um, Henry Golden's um, American accent was pretty bad. Oh, well. I was going to say. Um, like, he oh. slipped into English so many times, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" But like, I always think like, when 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 directors like uh, listen to it, like or hear the take, would you not think like, "Okay, no, we need to we do we need to do that again because <laughs> like, it's not good." <laughs> yeah, or if he know. just consistently gets it wrong, then just make him British. It don't really yeah. matter, does yeah. it? Like exactly at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then what pissed me off even more is is the whole kind of pivot into the whole kind of magical superhuman supernatural bit yeah. like these these characters jump so high and so far and then you've got this sun gem thing and i maybe stupidly presumed that this would have an element of real world setting mm. you know i thought it was just sort of like soldiers mm. but then they start using magical gems and i was like where did this come from? That sort of, to me, it didn't, it didn't blend that as well as, you know, kind of Marvel and DC films do. Absolutely. Absolutely. That whole, the whole thing about them having that stupid thing, gem, whatever, was just dumb. And I think they could have used some, something completely different. It could have been anything. It could have been like codes to nuclear something, something. Like it could have been any, something much more grounded, not a fucking thing that explodes people. Like it was just yeah. fucking stupid. And I forgot else. Oh, keep forgetting what I was gonna say about uh, shit. Nah, forgotten again. Never mind. Well, the 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 member of Odeon staff that spoke to me after the film, um, he basically I came out and he was like, "Oh, what did you think of the film?" And I was like, "It was not good." Mm. Uh, although some guy behind me was like, "Oh, that was really good." I was like, "I don't know what fucking film you watch, mate." But, but anyway, so shout out Brandon, yeah, because he said that he was like. Um, and I quote, autistic people normally love G.I. Joe stuff, but I, I didn't think it was very good. And I was like, okay. Um, and he basically, he basically said that he was really disappointed that 
um, the suit is only revealed right at the end when it features yeah. in the poster and some of the marketing. Yeah. That even that even that's fucking stupid. Like, I was just like, yeah, why is he only getting this right at the end? Like, it makes no sense. I was oh god. And the thing I was gonna say that I forgot so quickly before I forget again is that so Snake Eyes is trying to find his dad's killer, whatever, whatever. He goes like behind the scenes to the I can't remember what the family is called, but like the family and like sees all the technology they got. Can you not have asked them? Because they seem to be pretty well connected across fucking Japan and stuff. They've probably got yeah. the resources to find out who killed your dad. But you could have just anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's. It's baffling. And again, the, the suit is just another reinforcement of, you know, being rewarded for, for all the awful stuff he did. Again, yeah. makes no sense. But, um, I mean, I don't want to stay on this too long. There was something else I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. The, um, like the Baroness and Major O'Hara teaming up like five minutes after they established that they're enemies. It's sort yeah. of like that is, you know, it's not kind of interesting because you've not established in this film that these are antagonists enough for it to be like, oh, they're teaming up. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if you are familiar with the first two films, then it's a bigger deal. So maybe there's a bit more context to that. But yeah, I just would not recommend. I mean, your boy Brandon said it was the worst film we've seen this year. Um, I was literally thinking, have I seen the worst film this year? It's definitely down there. It's pretty bad. This one's pretty bad. Well, I tend to forget the terrible films yeah, so i'm quite glad that we've started doing this um kind of instagram thing so mm. you know your average critics on instagram we do kind of hot takes essentially after we finish the yeah. film um but i mean from memory the terrible ones were godzilla versus kong um hitman's wife's bodyguard mm. i think that was worse i'd have both uh, no i'd have both of those above this personally Really? Yeah. I think this is just really bad. <laughs> like, at least Hitman's Wife Bodyguard, I got maybe, maybe two chuckles out of it. Maybe two chuckles. <laughs> like, this wasn't even funny. <laughs> like, it's bad and it's not even funny. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Talking of terrible American accents, um, there's a, um, a, a kind of sitcom, I guess, um, from HBO called, I think it's called Camping, uh, and David Tennant is in it. And he puts on an American accent and it is dreadful. Mm-hmm. It's awful. I mean, you could basically tell he's Scottish. And I'm like, you do a really, really good English accent. Like, yeah. Again, why? Oh, I don't know. It's sort of like when an American is like, hello, governor. I'm from England. <laughs> and it's like, no, we don't talk like that. Mm. <laughs> so... I'm sure it pissed them a lot of Americans off um, listening to that. But, uh, yes. That's... Yeah, sorry, just quickly. I'm going through all the films I've seen so far this year, and this is what I doubt the worst film I've seen this year. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're, I mean, it's literally four months until Christmas Day, so we'll do, it won't be too long before we're doing a review of 2021. Yeah. Did we even do a review of 2020? I'm, I'm, not... sure, I'm sure we did. I'm pretty sure we did. Okay, I can't imagine there was much to choose from. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, by by that time, there'll be quite a few decent films out. But by that time, I don't even know if Venom, Let There Be Carnage, will have come out. Uh, yeah, well, that's apparently going back to, what, January now, isn't it? Yeah, according to, I think it was Vulture, mm. the, the um, film website. 
So, I mean, so that's coming out potentially after uh, No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, what, when, so when's Morbius? Is it Morbius getting pushed back as well then? Morbius was always supposed to be, well, as in very recently, next year, I think. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there, there's not enough continuity between them for it to matter too much. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I'm still curious about Morbius. Cause I, keep, I keep forgetting when we saw that trailer. You see, um, what's his, Michael Keaton's in that trailer. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that connects to everything. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say about, oh yeah, I've seen a second trailer for, um, Carnage. I'm sure it's quite an old one, but it's one where Cletus Cassidy, um, like licks some blood, which I think is yeah. from Eddie Brock. And then that's, that's, essentially... that's the newest trailer that they've put out, but it's not. Oh, okay. I say it's probably about a month old, maybe. Okay. Um, but so that seems to be the origin of Carnage. He, mm. he basically ingests blood. Um, mm. But I still don't like the kind of humour that they're trying to put in it. So I just yeah, the, the dynamic is just weird. I don't like it. Yeah, and and like Tom Hardy always looks bare sweaty, and mm-hmm. I just and like a bit gaunt, and I'm just I'm just like anemic, and I'm like, you're not playing this that well. Yeah. I mean, not that Topher Grace did much better in Spider-Man Three, but you know, I'd rather have Toby Maguire wandering around in his weird little dance. You know. <laughs> that was... Oh my god! Yeah, have you watched that film recently? <laughs> no. Oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> I I know, but the thing is, is the first time I saw it, I was like, "This is sick," because obviously it was a long time ago before I yeah. had my critical head on. So I don't want to rewatch it and lose that. Because a lot of people say it's terrible, and it really I, have, I have I have it on a pedestal. It's like Click. Have you rewatched Click recently? Because that film no. is not good. <laughs> I don't think I even finished. Is this the Adam Sandler one? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I watched it maybe once in my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I'd like. I wish we'd done this podcast when we were like eight. Because the, the 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 takes we'd had on films back then. My <laughs> goodness. My goodness. Oh, yeah. Um. But um, with the um, what were we just talking about? Venom, yeah. Mm. The whole Venom situation, I find, I find weird because like, I know Ven- I know the first Venom made a lot of money, but the fact they keep pushing it back, and obviously Marvel now they've come out and they've stuck with their date for Spider Man. Kind of makes me think like, what are they? I don't know what what are, what are Sony like anticipating kind of thing like, like you might as well just bring it out <laughs> like yeah. it's not as if the film is like. Like a major, like so for Sony, I suppose it probably is quite a major film, isn't it? I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think like, just put it out. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, it's only fucking Venom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's a weird one, um, particularly to to have it potentially after No Way Home. Now mm. it it's sort of like, well, that's everyone's going to be watching that one, and mm. not really because No Way Home comes out. It says Christmas. I think it's the seventeenth. Yeah, and then if if it does if Venom does get pushed back to January first, then you've got that's only two weeks after No Way Home. So yeah. either people will still be watching No Way Home, or they might be sort of biodiverse out for a little bit, you know, and just want a break. I don't know. I think it's it's risky. I think having it a couple of months before makes sense because it's sort yeah. of like, oh, you can watch that, whet your appetite, and then um, No Way Home comes out in December. But hey ho! Yeah. Uh, I don't think Chris is here yet, is he? So let's yeah. continue with the new releases and talk reminiscence. 
Um, so this is described as a neo-noir science fiction thriller. Um, I would probably add romantic somewhere in that as well. Um, written and directed by Lisa Joy, who is Christopher Nolan's sister-in-law. Um, it's her directorial debut, and she is one of the exec producers of the Westworld TV show, which I think you can definitely get some of those vibes from this film uh, if you've seen Westworld. Um, so it stars Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Sandiway Newton, uh, among others. And essentially, it's set in this like dystopian... Uh, future Miami where the sea levels have risen and most of Miami is underwater so there's sort of these weird like Venetian kind of colonies uh, that have been set up and it's post-war uh, post-a war um, and basically nostalgia has is, is become quite a commodity um, so uh, Hugh Jackman's character Nick and Sandy Way Newton's Watts set up this clinic essentially where you can uh, kind of live relive memories in this tank um, and it starts with Rebecca Ferguson's May coming in and being like oh I forgot my keys can you just you know send me back a couple of hours or something um, and this film's very kind of twisty in terms of how the film's pieced together mm. and it doesn't it, it sort of just assumes you're going to keep up um and i feel like i did for the most part but essentially the first like 15 20 minutes is, is essentially revealed to have been like a one of nick's um reminiscences mm. and and he is he fell in love with may and but then she's disappeared and he wants to find her and thinks that she's been caught up in some sort of uh, drug hit type thing. Um, so the rest of the film is, is sort of him delving into memories and, and trying to find where May might have gone. Um, I thought it was very ambitious, very high concept, but I felt like it was quite interesting. Um, interesting take. Uh interesting setting mm. to the point where it's clearly like a lot of stuff's happened but they yeah. just sort of it's just very background yeah. um which which was quite odd but you know i i felt it was interesting i felt the some of the visuals with how they do the reminiscence was was really well done um i think it was decently acted uh it was a bit melodramatic in places i thought but mm. um i thought it was it was enjoyable it felt a lot longer than it actually was. Oh, I agree. Uh, like, I came out of it and I was like, God, that was probably two and a half hours long and it was less than two hours. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a pretty, it was ambitious and kind of something different and mm. I, I, I sort of enjoyed it for what it was. There's, there's, it's not perfect and it's not got great reviews, but um, I thought it was absolutely fine. What did, what did you think? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I um, I think the reviews are quite harsh. Um, I think some people, have, I think the films are like thirty something percent on Tomorrow, so I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. I think it's a, it's okay, an okay film. I think, like you say, it's ambitious. I think the premise is interesting, and like the 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 story, I think is interesting. I think, but they don't quite land um, the execution. 
Um, I think Hugh Jackman is, is good in it. I mean, he's pr- pr- Hugh Jackman's pretty much good in everything that I see him in, to be fair. And I think he had chemistry with... Uh, I'm not sure who played the... the what, May? Uh, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, I was Rebecca Ferguson, OK. I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, I think they have good chemistry as well. I would have liked it if they'd given us a bit more of, of the two of them together, because obviously they kind of, like you say, it's the first maybe 20 minutes, them meeting, them having... Well, they don't really even have a date to be fair. Just go back to her house and start fucking, and really? then, <laughs> and then basically it turns into a dream, and then it just him pining after her kind of thing. I think we could have done a bit more of them to get to know each other, maybe going on a couple of dates and blah 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 blah, and then you know maybe reveal that it's a it's a dream or something like that. Um, but I enjoyed the two of them together on screen. I also enjoyed Hugh Jackman and uh, Fandy Newtons. I think they had a pretty good like friendship chemistry as well. Like they kind of like. Um, look past each other's faults but they're still like good friends kind of thing mm. the issues that I had with it really is that I think this would have been a, a pretty good like TV series yes. um, in that you probably could have made this like maybe a six episode TV series maybe eight episode TV series where you could have fleshed out all the background stuff that they were talking about like the war climate change um, the emergence of new drugs and you mm. know characters who had been characters who had been involved in the war and how they've been affected by it like Sandy Newton's character um, like um, Saint, what was the what was the, the Asian actor's name? What was his name? Johnny Saint Johnny Johnny Saint. John. Yeah, let me Saint John. Oh, yeah, that's the one. And he was like saying he was like in an internment camp and stuff like that during during this war. So and like there was obviously the bit with Hugh Jackman where um, he goes to the evil people's house and they're about to kill him, but they see his tattoo, so it's oh you and you and the army, like I'm gonna let you go kind of thing. So it seems that like this war was a big deal for a lot of people, and obviously it's completely changed the landscape of how people live because everyone goes out at night and everyone sleeps during the day because it's so hot, which I think is like potentially really interesting and something that you could, if you was a, in a longer format, I think you could definitely delve into and get a bit more into, maybe give us some flashbacks or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, so that aspect of it, I think, was a bit lacking, which is a shame because I think it would have been pretty interesting. Um, I think the only other issues... I think I enjoyed... Uh, like the the thriller aspect of it, like him thinking, oh, what she got herself into, kind of thing, and like him looking back into her memories and basically becoming obsessed with um, who she was, because obviously she wasn't who uh, he thought she was until the end, when you realise that you know that she actually did love him, kind of thing. I enjoy I enjoy that aspect of it as well, but I I won't lie, all the stuff with um. I don't even know what he was, like. the, the councilman, I don't even know what he was, and the son and the estranged son and the, the mistress and the woman who lost her mind and blah, blah, blah. I thought all that was bollocks. Like, I just, I just thought it was so shit and just not, they just kind of like shoehorned that into the story so there was a main bad guy that so that it wasn't um, Rebecca Ferguson's character, which I think, mm. I mean, I thought was a bit lame, to be honest, and I didn't care about any of that storyline at all. The only thing I really cared about was how um, the woman's mind turned to mush um, because of um, her, presumably her looking into her memories too much and she just kept reliving the same moment on and on and on again. I thought that was interesting. But apart from that, anything involving the son and the the, uh, the bastard son didn't care um, at all. And I thought, yeah, they were pretty pretty terrible villains. I won't lie. Yeah, um, I think it was, I think it was yeah, quite over, overstuffed yeah. for... for... Uh, what was a two-hour film? Because, like I said, I came out thinking, God, it's probably been two, two, three hours or so, <laughs> and it, I, I was shocked to learn that it was only two hours because it went yeah. at breakneck speed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 
yeah, it's just a shame, really, because um, I think this could have been potentially potentially like really good, and um, it didn't quite didn't quite get get the you know what we wanted. I think there was like also a couple of moments where I was like, so like, and I suppose we can discuss this now. Um, uh, so when he at the end when he <laughs> turns um the back the corrupt policeman when he turns his brain to mush. Yeah. I thought that was I thought like that was a bit like raw. <laughs> I was a bit like I was a bit like allow it, like just kill him. Like that's kinda yeah. that's kinda harsh. Um but then he goes to prison, presumably, like his own like they work out a deal for him to be in his own mind prison basically. But he's just reliving the same moments with Rebecca Ferguson, presumably over and over again for probably twenty or thirty years. Um so shouldn't mm. his brain turn to pot as well? Or do we just not see it because he's not awake? And then no, he need to eat. <laughs> I know. I was like, how have you stayed in that shape, just yeah. lying in this like water tank? It's crazy. Yeah. Like you're, um, you have no muscle mass in your legs. <laughs> yeah. Your I mean, muscle. it's such an interesting concept that if it was like more of a straight up thriller, like you know, he was a cop and had to find, you know, was like interrogating people. Mm. Like there, there sort of was a little side plot of that with yeah, the even whole that was the interrogation stuff. Yeah. Sorry, if that God. was if that was the whole film, mm. like they extrapolated that concept, you know, I would I would watch other stories within this setting mm. if that makes sense. Because um, it is like you said, we've discussed it, so it's an interesting kind of setting, and we're not quite sure how far in the future it is. But mm. um, but yeah, I mean, fair play for Lisa Joy trying to uh, stuff everything into one film. Mm. Um, Has she done anything else, Lisa Joy? I'm gonna Google it now. Actually, uh, she was she's like executive producing Westworld. Is that the only thing? Uh, I believe so. Chris, are you here? I am indeed here. Hello, how are you? I'm alright. I'm alright. Yeah. Not too bad, thank you. Have you got any particular strong thoughts on Reminiscence? Um, I feel like in the chat was a bit harsh, but uh, I actually thought it was a decent film. I think that I don't know. I can't. I don't know what you both exactly said before I came into this conversation, but I just don't think you hit the nail on the head. Pretty much. Um, I think it was too conveniently happy at the end. I feel like her being a good guy, but in ever in the end was a bit like really like it's a bit self-serving for the purpose of the film. I feel like she could have stayed a bad guy and that would have been fine. Uh. Uh. I also thought at one point he was just in a dream and he was just going to, they were going to wake him up and this was all going to be a dream. I don't know if I would have liked that or not. Um, I would have hated that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a massive pop out. It's basically Minority Report meets Inception. It is actually kind of, yeah. And a bit of memento. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of memento, yeah, trying to. Uh, I mean, hash that, that's some of the biggest criticism I've seen of this film and why a lot of critics have given it quite low ratings is they've said, Oh, it's so ironically reminiscent of other films, but not as well. And mm. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you could say that about literally any film. Yeah. Um, you know, you could say Snake Eyes. Oh, well, it tries to do, you know, Hong Kong martial arts films, but just not as well. It tries to do superhero films, but just not as well. I mean, you know, I, I feel like it's quite re- reductive to, to say that unless it's, of, you know, they're really trying to just rewrite the wheel. And I think that, like, you know, a lot of filmmakers nowadays seem to be lambasted for trying something different. Like, just because it's not a kind of kind of franchisable IP or 
you know, a remake of a film that's only four years old or, you know, a, a shit comedy featuring The Rock. Like, just because it's not one of those things, it's terrible. Like, I just think, you know, a six out of ten film is not a bad film. Mm. You know, you should just give them credit for trying to, you know, do something different. And the fact that this film didn't go straight to Netflix, which a lot of these sorts of films I, I feel like nowadays do, you know, it's, we should we should be championing these films. You know, it, six out of ten, I would still say, is a moderate recommendation. Um, it's not necessarily one you have to see in the cinema, but, uh, you know, go and support your local multiplex. I think, I think six out of ten is a bit harsh. What would you rate it then? I don't know, it's maybe six points. I think, I, although I think it was a bit long, uh, in, in some parts, like the continuity of doing it, but I feel like it was quite a steady film, relatively, so I feel like I would have given it probably not that much higher, maybe a 6.5. Fair enough. Maybe a 7. Nah, not a 7. Nah, I wouldn't give it a 7. I think I, I, I'd give it a 6 as well. I think it's it's fine. It's fine. I'll give it yeah. a 6. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it's, it doesn't quite hit what it's trying to do, which we've all said, but you got, you know, I'm knocking it for trying. Um, yeah. But I'll definitely watch another film with Hugh Jackman and Tony Newton together, though. Definitely watch that. Another film yeah. them too. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so now what? What did, you, what did you talk about before? I uh, we talked on. about Snake Eyes. That's all we. Oh yeah, about. I don't really want to put, put into that anyway. Yeah, Bottom. exactly. Obi said it's the worst film he's seen this year. Yeah. Oh, is it? Mm, yeah, probably. It didn't really. It just didn't make like it's just nonsensical, really. Yeah. I swear, Snake Eyes don't talk. Well, uh, that's what, yeah. That I've heard that. But um, anyway, we don't want to give that any more. Airway time than uh, yeah. than we already have. I want to talk yeah. about the trailers. So typically, I think Girl. a few yeah. So, so a few hours after we finished podding last week, I think the second uh, and final Eternals trailer was released. Uh, and I must say, I've watched it like four times already <laughs> because. I, I don't know. I, it, something got me about it. I was like, yeah, this, this looks really, really good. What, the Eternals uh, ones? Yeah. Uh, fair uh, enough. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to be... No, it's, a good, it's, a good tra- it's a good trailer, to be fair. So, it basically starts with... Um, we've got Salma Hayek's character. Uh, she's going to Icarus, played by Richard Madden. It's basically like... So, it, this establishes that it's post-snap. So, she basically says, you know big purple dude snapped his fingers and wiped out half the universe and then they all came back and now that's triggered the reckoning or what they call it and uh, we've got seven days um, and then we see some visuals of like some you know like the world sort of undulating and big tsunami mm. uh, we also get a look at some of the uh, celestials so one of them is called Arashem the Judge who's the big red dude with like the the eyes, the multiple eyes. Um, see a bit more of Angelina Jolie's Athena. Um, Icarus is basically like a Superman type guy with his laser eyes. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I think it was seeing the Celestials. Um, I don't know. Got me a bit hyped. Mm. And then we've got the Deviants, who are basically like monsters. Um, uh, so it's a bit like a monster movie esque, I guess. Um, there's also Jemiah the Analyzer, 
this is coming from fandomwire.com. They've broken down the trailer because I wouldn't have known who these Celestials are. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just I just felt like it was really really building the hype, giving a bit more away about the plot when it's set, uh, glimpses of the Celestials and the Deviants, um, some hints at powers. So yeah, I just thought it was a really good trailer to build the hype. What, what did you two think? Yeah, I'm right with you, to be fair. I, I think it's a really good trailer. I like the way it's shot. I think I said this before, the first one. I think this one just feels like... I know there's going to be loads of monsters and stuff, but I feel like this one just looks like really like beautiful like it looks like really like practical and stuff mm. so i think i'm looking forward to that aspect of it um it's been good seeing like knowing like getting a bit of uh plot details now as well because obviously before we didn't really it was just more of a teaser we didn't really know anything about what was going to happen and obviously now we know that their their uh mission i suppose is to stop the the reckoning from happening or whatever it is um i am uh curious to I'm glad that they answered at least a couple, well, started to answer a couple of questions I had, which was why haven't they been doing anything over this past however many years? Like, all the bullshit that's gone on in the earth, like, in all real time and also, like, Thanos-related stuff. So, obviously, they can't do anything unless the, um, is it the Celestials tell them to? Uh, so, they, they're not allowed to interfere with humans unless the Deviants are involved. That's it, unless Deviants are involved, which, I, which is fair enough. Um, but it makes me wonder now, um, how this film will end because obviously presumably they beat the deviants whatever but will they still be like oh we can't do anything unless deviants are involved or will they kind of say like because they kind of like break their rule and say okay now we have to be more involved kind of thing because it would be a bit weird if they were like um oh yeah <laughs> we can't do anything unless deviants are involved okay so we'll see you again for our next film we won't appear again <laughs> so yeah, the, and then, come and back. the next the next film the deviants come back and you're like yeah. oh yeah That'd I mean, silly. The, the Deviants must be pretty fucking bad to, you know, to be worse than Thanos for you to get involved. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because, yeah. I mean, moment, it looks sort of like Monster Hunter 1.5. Mm. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not. Sorry, go on. They're not getting like super evil vibes apart from that guy Crow who um, seemingly has some affinity with uh Athena, Angelina Jolie's character. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see like, their, what their powers are as well. I think this might be... Um, mm, I'm wondering... So, it's weird. So, like, there's a few team-up movies we have seen. Obviously, The Avengers. Like, we got a few films beforehand so we could get ourselves accustomed to the characters. And then, obviously, seeing them on screen and stuff like that was, was really great. And then you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, who was kind of a load of people that we didn't know. But the film was so like vibrant and full of comedy and like music and stuff that you kind of like were embraced them so much and everybody like like pretty much universally loved that film and loved that crew. I'm wondering what kind of vibe this is going to have because obviously we haven't got any previous films to go on for any of these characters and I don't get the vibe from this film that it's going to be funny. So I'm wondering like how the dynamics going to be, what the dynamics going to be between these characters. You get, I think there's a couple of jokes in, the, in both trailers here and there, but I don't think that's going to be like the overall vibe. Um, so yeah, I'm really curious to see like how people like embrace these characters that we've like never seen before. Who I like, I feel like they need to be endeared to us. But I'm curious to know if anyone, any of these characters or actors, will bring that to their role, kind of thing. I I feel like they cast it pretty well mm. to to bring that kind of gravity. I think 
having Richard Madden, um, Kit Harrington, and Gemma Chan, mm. who all and um, who have all had like serious roles on TV mm. um, with Game of Thrones and Humans, Gemma Chan was in. Um, you know that they, they, I think they have that grounded element to them. Mm. Um, I think Barry Keown, I think his surname is, is, he was in, he plays Druig, I think one of the silent looking characters. He's been in like, uh, Dunkirk and I guess more, again, more like serious grounded. It's like Game of Thrones ain't that grounded, is it? But you know what I mean? Sort of like yeah. gritty, gritty. Um, and obviously Angelina Jolie's got pedigree for days. So I think they, they've cast that pretty well. Um, mm. and they should bring that to it. Um, mm. Chris, what's what's your main takeaways from this trailer? Uh, not a lot really. I'm gonna be honest. I'm, uh, the uh, the Ten Rings and the this this film, I'm not that bothered about. If I'm honest, I'm I'm sure I'll be more hyped when I'm watching it. But like nothing's really like like sprung out of me as if something like it's something I really want to watch. Um, oh, okay. I don't get the hype behind it. If I'm totally honest, like. I don't really get it. Um, I know you see the one of the Eternals. No, uh, not Eternals. Uh, one of the Celestials. And it's the same Celestial that was in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, flashback where he had the Power Stone and he destroyed loads of shit. Cool, whatever. That's fine. I just don't know. I feel like it's, it's an all-star cast. And I'm not saying that Avengers or nothing like that wasn't. But I feel like it's set itself up for like a bit of failure. Maybe that's just the pessimist inside me. Uh, and then also, I don't know, I've just got a feeling in my head that like I'm going to be real pissed off for their, like, I get that they're not meant to interfere, but I think I'm going to get annoyed with why they chose not to interfere with Thanos, but they've, they're now interfering with whatever they have to do. Because of deviants involved. Yeah, I, I get it, but like, I've got a feeling that like deviants aren't going to be like, a, as bad as the trailer's making them out to be. I don't know. I'm just not that hyped about it, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm sure we'll be the, the day of watching it. I'm sure I'll be gassed and I'm sure I'll come out of it being like, that was sick and whatever. But yeah, I'm just not that hyped about it. I mean, Abomination's in it. That's pretty cool. That's this film, that's right? Shang, that's Shang-Chi. Yeah, this film, like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Chris, are there, are there any, um, are there any like new projects with new characters that you are interested in? It, what, from, from Eternals? No, General. Uh, MCU in general because obviously you said Shang-Chi and Thingy don't interest you so and then yeah, like, they're the I new mean, ones I, so yeah Shang-Chi I hope, it, I hope it's good I really do I, like, I've heard the early reviews and it's meant to be really good um, I'm trying to think what is coming out um, so you've got um, on Disney Plus will be Moon Knight She-Hulk um, got Kate Bishop with Hawkeye um, you've got Blade yeah, wanna, coming I'll, out at some point What's that? What's that one? Sorry, Blade at some point. Blade, I don't really care about. Like the the Blade films are decent, but I, I hope this one's good. Um, she Hulk, I think I'll find it funny-ish. But again, if it's full full breaking, I'm not sure I'll be that bothered. Um, I'm looking forward to Hawkeye, but again, they're gonna have to have some serious storyline to keep me in, engaged in their story. Um, yeah, Moon Knight. I'm I'm I guess I'm a little interested in that, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like because the the series haven't hit hit like the nail on the head for me, I feel like I've then just like in my mind I'm just trying to set myself up so I'm not disappointed too much for the rest. 
You're yeah. tempering your own expectations. Yeah, mm. I think so. I think so. Okay. Like, like, um, like for example, I know. Um, I mean, I guess you're going to talk about it in a minute, but like the latest trailer we've seen of the film. Well, well, I, go I, on, talk the, about that. Are, are you excited about that? So, No Way Home trailer came out 23rd of uh, August, which One um, Division predicted, seemingly, because um, that's the date that they had as their anniversary in One Division. Um, but yeah, so so you're not hyped for the Christ newer IP, but are you you're gassed for No Way Home? I'm gassed for this as long as what everyone's been shouting about is true. Like as long as all three Spider-Men are in it, I'm gassed. Like you can have whatever villains you want. You can have Doc Ock. You can have Electro, Sandman, whatever sinister stick you want to pick. That'll be sick. But like it's like I was trying to say the other day. Like um, I I love it and I hate it. I don't know if I mentioned the the, the love it part, but I love it and hate it. Hearing all the people's like theories and opinions. Of like the trailers and what what's going to come out of it, and it's actually gassed me up a little bit for it. So like in one of the scenes, and this is someone shooting for the stars with this one, but one of the scenes, Peter Parker, our, our Peter Parker from this Earth, is wearing a suit which is identical to the suit that um, Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider Man was wearing. There's someone saying like maybe he's tra- like maybe he's just flipped into that person's world into their into their body. Which I don't know if I like that idea, but I don't know. I'm, I am hyped for that one. I just hope they don't. I just don't hope they don't fall short of it. Like, would you, like in my head, I'm like, would I be happy with seeing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield for only ten minutes of the film? I think it depends what what that entails. Because ten minutes, if it's you know five two minute flashbacks, or is it one ten minute long scene? You know, it does depend. If it's just talking, is it fighting? Um, so let me just. I guess for listeners, yeah, right, yeah. um, contextualise what happened in the trailer, uh, which was leaked <laughs> a couple of days before, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, li- it was only like a little bit extra on that on that bit, and it wasn't CGI'd either. <laughs> so someone at Sony or Marvel are getting fired. But uh, yes, yeah, so it starts basically with um, you know following on from the post-credit scene of. Um, Far from home, so many different. I can't remember the titles. Far from home. So Mysterio is supposedly dead. J. Jonah Jameson has uh, revealed that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and so he's now so his identity has been exposed. Uh, so he's talking with MJ, um, and she's like, hey, I, "I hear that one of your powers is you can transfix women or something." And ha ha ha. But, uh, so he's dealing with that fallout. There's also, he sort of seems to get arrested for the death of Mysterio, which, I mean, usually these superheroes get away with literally murder, but, um, he seems to have drawn the short straw there. Uh, so he goes to Doctor Strange, uh, if he is indeed Doctor Strange, and, uh, basically says, hey, you do spells, um, can you basically make it so that everyone forgets that I'm Spider-Man? And uh, in classic deal with the devil style, um, he doesn't make it specific enough. So Doctor Strange says, OK, everyone will forget who you are. And he's like, oh, but I want Ned to remember and I want MJ to remember and Aunt May. And he's like, "Uh oh, you've just fucked with the spell and uh, seemingly causes the multiverse. So we then get Green Goblin's pumpkin bombs and laugh from uh, the OG Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, and we also see Doc Ock's claw. Um, so it's 
seemingly he has split open the multiverse. There's also some Inception style building kind of warping. Um, people have suggested that uh, a lightning flash and some dust could be Sandman and Electro. Um, someone else has also suggested that if you brighten up one of the scenes, you can see Lizard uh, all unconfirmed. We also don't see Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire, but to include those in the first trailer, I think would be a bit stupid. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm hyped for the film as a whole, but this trailer didn't necessarily do it for me. Um, I kind of feel the way that this film has brought about the multiverse is a bit naff. Mm. Um, the fact that Doctor Strange is doing a spell and Peter Parker just sort of talked during it and all of a sudden it's caused this. I mean, I'm just a bit confused because the multiverse, we thought it was going to happen in WandaVision and then it did happen um, in Loki. Mm. We thought it did. And so now I'm like, did all of these events happen at once or is there like, you know multiverses within multiverses I, I sort of maybe presumed that the reason for the multiverse would be as a result of Loki and therefore you wouldn't need this inciting incident of of it causing it I don't know, it also seems a bit irresponsible that the the keeper of the time stone and the, the all powerful wizard Sorcerer Supreme. Supreme actually I don't know if he's the Sorcerer Supreme, I'm actually not sure but, but, but he can yeah. fuck up a spell so much that it causes reality to fold in on itself yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, go on, go on. No, that's that's basically my. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Um. So I like the trailer. Um. Got me pretty gassed. I'm not gonna lie. Um. But yeah, I have the same issues as you, where with the thing of like um, Doctor Strange, who, like you say, keeper of the time stone, Sorcerer Supreme, blah 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 blah. Um. <laughs> Peter Parker just says, "Oh yeah, can you do this like massively." world altering spell for me he's like yeah alright then a part of me thinks he he it's gonna be like you know how like in the beginning of Doctor Strange uh, the first one he was like really cocky so maybe he's thinking like oh yeah this is like a really like really hard spell so I'm just gonna do it just to prove that I can that's what I actually think that that might be what he's doing but either way it's fucking stupid and again um, for it to be caused for the whole multiverse to collapse on itself so I think I think that's in the group chat. I think that Loki, the events in Loki causes the multiverse to all like be happening or everything at the same time. And then I think what happened to Doctor Strange, that causes the multiverses to collapse on themselves. So that's why you get all the Inception style, you know, buildings and trains collapsing on each other and, you know, trains going over the Grand Canyon or whatever it was and all, all of that stuff. I think that's what uh, Doctor Strange causes in particular. But yeah, it's ridiculously irresponsible for him to to do this and to him to have caused this which makes me think there must be something I feel like there's got to be something else going on because he can't be that dumb and also we saw him in um, in Avengers in Avengers Infinity War um, checking the timeline like for 14 million different possibilities like what can happen in these scenarios that kind of thing so surely he would mm. I would think if you could do that you can check this scenario to say like mm, what's going to happen if I do this spell kind of thing like, all the different <clears throat> possibilities that can happen well and, go on yeah. go on, sir. Well, I was going to say, like, 
if you look at all the characters throughout the MCU, I mean, there's probably a few that probably have the same kind of stint, but Doctor Strange's character development is pretty linear. Like, there's no, like, deviation. He was an arrogant doctor who thought he was God. Then he broke his hands and he mended his hands through magic and then became arrogant through that. So I, I, I've no... I slightly disagree with that, but I see what you're saying. Why, why'd you disagree with that? I think he, I think at the end of Doctor Strange, he did humble himself quite a bit. Um, well, because like know. he goes, he goes to the thing, and he goes to the ancient one, and like all that, he thinks all that science, all the uh, magic stuff is bullshit. And in the end, he's like kind of like swallows his own pride, kind of thing, and actually starts listening to other people, kind of thing. I and guess, I but but he then does in in turn use the time stone just off the whim to go and battle Don Aruma, and he, <laughs> and then he continues, and then he continues to carry carry that time stone with him everywhere even though in prior location it was locked up. And then he then, in Avengers, uses it to look at 14 million different was it, timelines. Was it locked up? I'm sure the Ancient One had it around her. What's it called as well? No? Don't had it around her, it. Because then in, in, thingy, in uh, Endgame, Hulk goes to get it off her and she's got it around her neck, I think. I thought she just made it appear. But, OK, yeah, you may be right. But regardless, I think his arrogance is still up there. And mm. I don't think he's really... I think he he might have had it, he might have a bit more um, like compassion. Like I I'm not sure he would have done this for anyone prior, but now he's got friends. He can do this for his friends, kind of thing, and show how great he is. But he, like, doesn't, he doesn't even know Peter Parker that well. No, to be like, oh yeah, I got you. Do you know what I mean? I, I guess, but he did go to space with him. Yeah. Get, that's it, really. Actually, once yeah. and also like I think it's a bit harsh to say that he um, his character development is linear I think I, like I say I think he does change a little bit at least in that first film and also um, he's only been in like he's only been in two films so I don't think and like the, sec- the second uh, film that he was in I, if you don't, I don't really count Endgame because obviously you know he was just a cameo really but like the second film like that film's not about him developing the character it's just about all of them saving the fucking world so not true but he's still very arrogant so, so I have... no wait hold on no, but my other point was going to be Oh, I think these events are happening at the same time. So Lo- I don't think Loki's events necessarily affect these events because I would I would assume, and I could be totally wrong here, but I assume the new Kang and Conqueror will reset the timelines and make it so there's no deviating ones. Because it wouldn't make sense for him to allow other Kangs to be just roaming around, fucking up his timeline. Could be wrong there. Might be a but timeline. Was... But, so... but, but I think what's actually happening here is and a lot of people were talking about it and Glenn you and I probably love this but it could be Mephisto at work Mephisto yeah that's what I was going to mention so stupid and then he's just gone here we go my time to shine let's let's fuck up this spell kind of vibe yeah but I mean going back to your point about Kang so the Kang that um Lady Loki whatever her name is Sylvie the one that she kills didn't want any divergent timelines but it was established in that last episode that there were other Kangs who just wanted chaos and so the fact that she kills like one of the presumably more reasonable Kangs it's you know the multiverse is you know multiple Kangs do they do they all want the same thing we don't know but it could be happening at the same time um and I was going to mention the Mephisto point so I'm being dragged back into this uh, I had a couple of months off after Wonder Vision, but Mephisto's bringing me back in. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a few things that that kind of made sense to me. Is is you know even even before I'd heard the Mephisto theory, I I'd text in the group like this is very much a deal with the devil style um, kind of transaction, isn't it? And yeah. you know it's so classic. Uh, you know, you kind of make a deal with the devil to do something, but he puts, you know, he sort of takes things quite literally and there's always something that you don't consider. And but Glenn, can I interrupt you really quickly? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so the thing you said about Mephisto, so there's a Spider-Man comic called One More Day, which is oh, kind yeah. of like a... Go on, Chris, sorry. What you no, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, go on, Karen, Karen. Okay, yeah, it's like a similar premise to this, so... Spider-Man goes to Mephisto and says, um, so Aunt May dies, says, oh, can you stop Aunt May from dying? Can you, like, sort it out? And basically it causes, like, a whole, like, fuck-up of that whole rest of the universe kind of thing. So I think it could be connected to Mephisto, this whole thing. Yeah, I I wouldn't like that storyline. I think that story, it's got to only be part of that storyline because this is what I was trying to say in the chat, is when the creator, whoever the creator or or the publishing owner of, not publishing owner, whoever the creative director was of the Spider-Man comics, he just seemed to fucking hate Spider-Man being happy. So through this storyline, he basically fucks up his relationship with Mary Jane. And I think Mary Jane ends up dying or something. But it's just such a different storyline to where we're going. Because uh, I, I feel like I don't I don't think Aunt May's going to die. I don't think MJ's going to die. And I, I just think they're going to make a multi, multiverse. But yeah. Can I also say as well, sorry, sorry, Glenn, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just going back to Chris's point about the Loki thing. Um, I think if Loki doing what he does in Loki doesn't affect the MCU in terms of like causing the multiverse, then that series is completely fucking pointless. Karen, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, sort of makes it seem not canon. But yeah. um, yeah, so the Mephisto thing. I mean, there's there are elements that maybe make sense. Maybe I'm just what wishing too much. I don't know um, because the fact that when he goes into the Sanctum Sanctorum or whatever it's called. Mm. It's literally covered in snow. Uh, and then someone suggested, like, okay, well, there's that whole concept of, oh, when hell freezes over. Mm. Um, and then, like, they were, they were talking about a couple of shady looks Doctor Strange gave, and, like, would he really be that irresponsible? Mm. Um, would he really do this to someone that he, yeah, shared quite a big life event with, but mm. doesn't really know that well? And um, there is also a sign uh in one of the trailers in the trailer sorry that basically says peter parker and has peter parker is the devil and has like mm. devil horns and stuff so i wonder or it could still be mysterio you know he he i don't know if he's actually dead but something something weird's going on um yeah. something that's confusing me about particularly phase four is so much of it is earthbound that I'm really and because these events are so cataclysmic they must all take place very near to one another that I wonder like how they're not impacting each other if that makes sense because the first three phases you phase one particularly the earthbound ones were either set in different time periods mm. or were not kind of world events. It was more like, you know, Iron Man 
his villains and yeah. they would only really affect Iron Man. Then the Thor was obviously, most of it was in Asgard, some of it was on Earth, but again, not too world-ending that it would affect everyone else. Captain America, you know, similar, similar, similar. Uh, and then the more you got towards Phase 3, you've got like the Galactic ones, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel set in the 90s. Um, so it all felt like legitimately they had a place in the timeline and all came together for this one big event, which was Infinity War and Endgame. But now you've got WandaVision taking place not that long after um, Endgame. You've got Loki, which I guess is a divergent 2012 timeline, but um, that's also caused some sort of multiversal rift. Eternals is definitely post-snap, but then, you know, again, where does that fit in? Is this just before the whole multiverse thing? Uh, Shang-Chi is also post-snap. So I'm sort of thinking, like, where, where are all these fitting in? Where's the timeline now going? Is it all really concentrated? Because Spider-Man's set on Earth. Doctor Strange 2 will mostly, you know, probably be set on Earth. Hawkeye will be. So all of these ones, you're not really getting the the scope of geography that you did before. They all very much feel like they should have massive implications for each other. I see what you're saying, but I don't mind. I think we, obviously, we haven't seen the films yet, so we can't say whether or not, you know, there's a mention of Shang-Chi and, you know, Spider-Man or vice versa, you know. Um, but I don't mind, like, these things being set in, in like, different different places. Because, like, I think not not everything has to tie in with, with, like, everything else directly. Like, there can be a mention here or there. Because, obviously, if in uh, obviously in Eternals, like, seems the fucking world's ending. So if that's not mentioned at some point, then, then you could be like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. But I think we have to kind of, like, wait and see how it plays out. I think it's a bit of a thing. It's a bit of like a bit of a weird one where you can't really, I can't really judge it until I've seen it, if that makes any sense. To see if like, um, it's a bit like when, uh, like when you watch Suicide Squad and you're like, oh, where's Superman? <laughs> kind of thing. So like, mm. I I get it, but at the same time, I think you kind of have to like, it's it's hard because obviously, like Kevin Feige made everything so interconnected, so it's hard to kind of like ignore the fact that you know things are going on in different places at different times. Um, yeah, it's a bit, of a bit of a difficult one, but I don't mind them if they didn't necessarily tie everything in. And like, it might be a thing where you don't see, you only find out everything ties in like six films from now, kind of thing, because that's kind of like what Kevin Feige is like known for, like building yeah. of this universe. So, how long do you see the whole multiverse thing spanning? Because it's quite a big plot point, but I don't know how far it can, how far will it go? Because, I mean, if Doctor Strange 2 is called the Multiverse of Madness, then presumably it doesn't get resolved in No Way Home. Not mm. fully, anyway. Mm. Well, then, but Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the Marvels, I don't know anything about what they'll be about, although Thor has Jane becoming Lady Thor. But then Ant-Man, Quantumania, maybe that's bit more multiversity i don't know mm. do you, how how long do you see it spanning or do you think it's basically going to be a an arc from loki through to the end of doctor strange and then it'll be another threat thing, thing is how like my problem is is how long do you want it spanning because mm. like 
there, there could be like we could res- it, we could resolve it after two films, whatever. We'd probably all be a bit like, really, is that it? Um, because it's such a cataclysmic event. But like at the end of the day, if we go to phase five, and then suddenly something happens, and then they just go, oh, ah, yeah, it's because of the multiverse. We're gonna be like, that's a bit dead. So I think the problem <laughs> they've got is the length of which they do this for. So is it gonna be that it spans? It is Black Panther in phase four. Yeah. Is that yeah. they could do something there where everything changes and then what's his face doesn't die and then he can become Black Panther and then uh they could do I guess it could affect four a little bit, but I feel like that's a different thing altogether. Um I don't know, like it's a bit of a tricky one, I think. Does I, the multiverse I, I, have to affect everything? Because obviously it, it obviously it can be about the multiverse can exist, but does it have to be a factor in every film? No, but what I'm saying, but if, if the multiverse is the multiverse in which it's like all the everything's fucking up in all the multiverses, then I'd assume it has some kind of knock-on effect for a lot of the current standing films, right? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not asking a question. Well, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I, me, me saying the Black Panther thing is just me speculating because I don't know how they're going to continue that really, and and have people like it. I think that's going to be their issue, uh, like obviously following the death of Chadwick Boseman I can't imagine they've got obviously tread lightly with it in some respects and then it's like who takes the mantle on and continues it so that's why I was throwing that one out there but like I don't know I I, I wouldn't mind if it was like a free film thing maybe but Doctor Strange Spider-Man and then I don't know when is it I'm trying to think what comes out after yeah I guess Ant-Man but then I guess Quantum Realm fucks up the um can fuck up the uh, multiverse as well, can't it? Because if theory serves correct, which we assume by uh, Yellow Jacket's uh, helmet and other things, other characters coming up in the Loki series, I assume that whole time bureau is within the quantum realm, and then that quantum realm has a core in which it can affect the multiverse or see what affects the multiverse, and then they can fix it with their zappy things. So it's like. I don't know, I just feel like there's so many different worlds interconnecting and affecting other things. I don't know. I've just chatted shit. I'm really sorry, yeah. but I'm working it out <laughs> as I go along. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Uh, so, talking of Phase 4, I mean, Phase 4 is ginormous in terms of the content. So, it's only lasting two years from 2021 until 2023, unless more of the films get pushed back, which we don't know. Um, but within that, there are 11 scheduled films and 13 scheduled TV series. Whereas, you know, that's about as much as the first three phases had between them with films. So, you know, obviously, we don't necessarily know if they're building towards one big bad like they did with the first three phases which was obviously the Infinity Saga um, but yeah I mean there's a lot of content and considering we're not that far away from 2022 you've got to think it can't be that far away from revealing what's going to happen in phase 5 or am I wrong? Mm, I don't know really like you say this is we're in like an unprecedented time in terms of in terms of the amount of content we're going to get, 
Um, I can't see them revealing the the like phase five big bad anytime soon ish. I think whatever it whatever it is is probably going to involve the Fantastic Four. And do we have a date for Fantastic Four yet? That's like no. 2025. Yeah, I think it'll involve it's them. Not so. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't imagine them revealing it anytime soon. But to answer your question about the um, the whole multiverse thing, I think it can be an un- an ongoing thing. Uh, like, obviously, it's going to spin out of control in Spider-Man, and then I feel like maybe Doctor Strange, it might be a thing where you resolve it to some point, but maybe in like a post credit scene you see that it's actually not you know, not as under control as they as they thought it was or they want it to be. And obviously that's got to play into somehow Loki season two as well. And then I think that maybe towards the end of this phase, uh phase four, will be when they like uh, will be like when they cut it off. I I'll be surprised if it only lasts a couple films long. Um I think it'll be at least maybe maybe three or Three or four films and a series, and maybe like the Loki series as well. But I don't think it's necessarily. I think maybe after Loki, after Doctor Strange, two, it will be a thing where like okay, so now these other films can exist and stuff can go on without having all the multiverse bullshit affecting them, kind of thing. Because I think to pack all that into I, all your all these individual films, along with the story that you're trying to get across in those films, I think would be a bit messy. I. I didn't catch everything because I think my signal was cutting out. But oh, sorry. I think from the gist of what you were saying, am I right in thinking that you're basically saying that the multiverse will potentially stabilise um, and we'll just have different threads rather than everything kind of being in chaos? That's yeah, that's pretty much what I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's how it will go because I think that is probably how the Fantastic Four will come into the fold mm. i don't know but um interestingly blade is not included in this list from phase four but we know it's been announced so i don't know whether that will go into phase five or not but literally trying um, to look, no literally mm. don't know um so i mean whilst we're on the subject uh i feel like we should get sponsorship from marvel the amount of air time we <laughs> give them yeah i do us and everyone else, I'm sure. <laughs> True. Um, third episode of What If. So this was basically, what if all of the Avengers candidates get murdered? <laughs> um, <laughs> which was a pretty dark concept. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it sort of... Um, I feel like it's, it, is it bef- it's kind of set just before the first Avengers film where Nick Fury with Black Widow is sort of like hey we should, I've got an idea and think Tony Stark would be good and then it's, it's sort of just Iron Man 2 one. I think it's Iron Man, is Iron Man 2 oh, okay. yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah it's just after yeah. Iron Man 2 and just before that whiplash doesn't they or whatever mm. that character's called just before Thor 1 mm. um, so yeah it's sort of around that time but then I mean as I've just said pretty much all of the candidates Hawkeye, Hulk, uh, Thor, Iron Man, um, all get killed um, by a mysterious assassin. Uh, It's then revealed that it's Hank Pym, Mm. because Hope Van Dyne, his daughter, who we know as the Wasp, 
uh, is killed on some shield mission. Um, I mean, I was a bit like, well, actually, I've always given my opinion first this episode. So, Obi, you said that you had a major issue with this episode. Yeah, so I have two fundamental. Not like it's not an issue. I just have two fundamental. I think the two fundamental problems with the episode. I think I like what goes on in the episode, and you know, seeing who was up to it at the end. I kind of suspected that it would be some sort of like minuscule character because I thought maybe it's Ant Man, but then I thought it can't really be Ant Man. But I suppose technically it was Ant Man. Anyway, um, so yeah, my my main issues with the with the series is it's obviously it's what if the Avengers initiative failed basically but you only see it at the end when uh, when Loki takes over the world <laughs> like for like t- it's 10 seconds at the end like, oh yeah by the way this all causes Loki to take over the world and it's like well I mean you could have I don't know you could I feel like we could have gotten more of like what the effect was if, of the Avengers not coming together rather than you just showing up a little 10 second clip at the end kind of thing I was like okay cut, fine and obviously they showed a bit with uh, Captain Marvel at the end I feel like they could have Cut the like shortened the bit that we got and then moved on to Steve, Captain Marvel, and whoever else they recruited, and then we could have seen them battle Loki as he's taken over the world. I think that would be better personally. Um, but my main issue with the episode is that I feel like the other two episodes there were catalysts for for change, and yeah. in this we don't see any catalyst whatsoever. It's just somehow in this in this universe, Hope gets recruited by Shield. We don't know how. We don't know what changed from the previous universe to make her get recruited and then obviously she dies we don't see how she dies or what happens to her she dies and that causes Hank Pym to go nuts I think the whole there's nothing yeah I think the fact that there was no like they make a big point in the first episode especially of oh yeah here that was the moment that changed the course of history forever sliding doors type thing isn't it yeah and we don't see that in this which I think is a really big it's a big issue for me like I'm not gonna lie because like that was the whole point of it, like so. What? So I remember questions now. Why did um? Why? So why now did Hope join Shield? Why did Hank think? Oh, it's okay for her to join Shield now. Why did she die? Like, why yeah. did Hank Pym go crazy? Like, it. I don't know. It's just yeah, that and, and none of that is established until it's revealed that Hank's the villain. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, oh well, the reason I'm the villain is because this happened, which you didn't know about because it hasn't happened in the main continuity. Mm. So that yeah, like you said, it's a fundamental thing that would have helped our understanding of the episode um but yeah it's just yeah it wasn't a well put together episode in my opinion but chris sorry you the thing is like i get what you're both saying but i feel like i'd be a bit of a hypocrite from what i said in the previous two well i get what you're saying and i think we're both totally right by the way i feel like they needed to slip in about hope somewhere earlier first Mm. of all because we had no like i think part of the suspense of this series, of a, of an episode or something like this, like a, it's almost like a, it was almost like a crime mystery, wasn't it? We're, we're mm. as an audience trying to figure out who's done it, mm. and let's be honest, there was no way we were figuring it out it was going to be Hank no. <laughs> absolutely no way. So I think they need to. This is this is like obviously like we were saying in the chat, a big fundamental problem of all these episodes. They need to be longer, mm. and like I think an extra ten twenty minutes on this, maybe even maybe just five actually just to do a bit of it like as he opens shield doors we see a statue of hope or something i know that's like the big thing that the baddie said at the, like hank Pym said at the end but like we could have had probably had that at the beginning being like oh that's interesting and then maybe linked it to the end um 
I liked like the fact that we weren't centered round like one of the characters, for example, in the previous two we had Captain America still in it, even though we were talking about Peggy Carter and in the one before what even happened in the other one? T'Challa became Star Lord. Yeah, again, like okay, that was the yeah, end. That that one just didn't didn't really resonate with me. But like and you guys probably are gonna disagree from what you said, but I actually this was my favourite episode of the three. Um just because of how different it was. Um but yeah, the ending did annoy me, uh, in the fact that it was Hank and we had no inkling it was Frank no inkling it was Hank. And then like obviously from an audience member you know Loki's gonna stitch you up. But obviously the characters don't. But I just yeah, that bit was a bit too fast as well. I'd like to have seen how much how how much more of the world he would have taken over what yeah. he had actually done and then maybe yeah seeing Captain America I don't know yeah it was a bit the end was far too fast paced they dragged out a lot of it and then they fast paced the end too much I also just think Loki taking over would have been a more interesting episode anyway agreed um you know if you know rather than Hank Pym having killed these people if it was just like accidental you know they just happened to to die in some way and then that allows Loki to come and take over. Like that is a more, and he has to recruit more people. New Avengers, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that would have been that, more, much more interesting. That's that, yeah, concept actually. Um, because I know that you said that there's that shot in the trailer of like Gamora and other people mm. in like, the, the Avengers shot. So I thought that was going to happen. I thought, so, oh, okay, he's going to recruit these people. Um, I think that they also, I think there was a, a very quick explanation in this of why Captain Marvel doesn't appear in any of the films up until when she does um, because obviously when they've all died, all the Avengers he like goes to get her signal out and then he realises, oh actually no I don't need to call her so my explanation to that then is that they're basically saying because the Avengers initiative did work he didn't need to call on Captain Marvel until Thanos Didn't, uh, we, didn't we know that anyway? I'm, I'm a bit confused by your point Oh, I guess I guess it was maybe obvious, but I think they were just reiterating it with with that point. Oh right, I see. I see. A lot of people have said like, "Oh, where was she during the invasion of New York?" Or where was she in there? You know, it's like yeah. But uh, it's, isn't the concept of her is she saving the universe rather than the planet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. To be honest, Chris, I I didn't. This, was, this where I was, enjoy, like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed this, by the way. I'm just saying I have a couple of issues with it. Where, where, in your two rankings of the three episodes, where would you sit this? Middle. Yeah, me too. I, I also. Oh, you two like the Guardians of the Galaxy one, didn't you? Yeah. Um. It, oh, yeah. What, I was just gonna say. I also thought at the end, rather than Captain Marvel, it was going to be Captain Carter, but then I realised that. Uh, Hawkeye had already died, and at the end of the Carter episode, it's Nick Fury and Hawkeye. Yeah, so. I was thinking the same thing. You know what? I feel like, I like I, in a way, I like that they're all individual stories, but at the same time, I feel like, in my mind, I would have loved it to be like, each season is a different world with the characters doing a different thing. So, like, if this was all interlinking, mm. I think kind of cool. But I, I think then maybe it had to be a complication, I don't know, but like, yeah, I feel like they missed the trick a little bit. Um, I, I agree. Like you say, I think the I think the biggest problem with this is that for me anyway is that because everything is in its own serialized episode, it just feel it feels rushed. 
And mm. I think if you've got nine episodes now to flesh out, okay, what happens if this one decision made by Peggy Carter, how does this affect the next 70 years of living over the next nine episodes? I think that would be a better series. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. like, if we, we saw the Loki thing and we went to the next episode and Loki is taking over the world and we've got like, get the new Avengers or get Carter in. And then it's like, who is he actually being commanded by? Because Thanos isn't his big boss anymore. So like, this kind of and this ending kind of doesn't make sense because I'm assuming Thanos is going to come down at some point and wreck shit on Loki. But um, unless he's already met T'Challa, by which point he doesn't care about genocide anymore. Well, well, he doesn't. He doesn't not care about genocide because he he makes the thing (laughs) sufficient. (laughs) I do one thing that did interest me, and it was like when Hulk blew up. Because first of all, I was like, Hulk can literally shoot himself in the mouth and not die. So, like, mm. how's this working? I thought, rah, him going into his heart, throwing that thing into his heart and, like, making him explode, that's mad. And then I thought to myself, well, I know this is only a cartoon, and I know we're not going to get an 18-plus film in Avengers, but, like, I feel like Ant-Man could have just flown into Thanos' nose and, like, blown, blown him up now. Definitely on that vibe. Definitely on that vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm just... I'm just going to go into each of these and be like, nah, what if it's good? No. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That was good. That was good. That was good. Um, any more for any more? Anything you want to mention about what we, anything you've seen recently? What's the next episode of What If about? I don't know. No idea. But, um, yeah, so I've got, we've got, coming out this week uh Candyman, which i don't think it's a remake i think it's more of like a, it is a continuation yeah. continuation yeah so horror film uh jordan peele executive producing nia da costa directing she's doing blade as well i think so it'd be interesting to see how how she, what her style is if she has one i'm sure she does i think it's captain marvel she's doing oh is it okay i think so all right Fair I could enough. be wrong. I could be wrong. No, 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 I think I think you are right. Right, uh, their own voices in this. What if you know? And um, sorry, Shang Chi comes out. I think the week after. So. Yeah, Shang well, Shang Chi comes out next week. Yeah, next Friday. Can't wait. Shit, yeah. That we'll definitely be talking about those. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you guys are going to try and watch in the next week or so? Um. Probably not, you know. I don't think there's a lot out apart from those two things you just mentioned. Um, we, I was we, literally looking earlier today and I was like, oh, there's nothing I actually really want to watch. We I did think... say we'd watch Beckett, but I haven't got around to that yet. Oh, yeah. I, I just, all, since we last, since we said this, I've just heard more and more bad reviews. Uh... <laughs> but, like, but like I said before, if you watch it, I'll watch it. Okay. Chris, what are you going to say? Uh, I think there's a streaming service doing Stillwater, so I might watch that. Okay. Um, I also want to mention just very, very briefly, I rewatched a film uh, that I had seen a while ago called Collateral, which is on Netflix. Um, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. So basically Tom Cruise is like a hitman. He gets into Jamie Foxx's cab and then basically Jamie Foxx is like under duress to kind of shepherd him around to his uh, next hit. But... um, I think it's a decent film. It's not tons of action, but um, I think it's really well done between 
Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. And, and this was like one of the first times I'd seen Tom Cruise, probably still to this day, where he is the out and out villain. Um, and I just think it's like a really nice kind of change of direction for him. Um, because, you know, particularly since this film, which was 2004, he's basically just been in Mission Impossible films. So it, you know, to see him have try his hand at something else I think it's really interesting and I think it's a decent film so I would recommend you to watch that one from the archive Collateral um, sort of like a DVD after it as well Mm. yeah so uh, good good two hours Um, it's got Jada Pinkett in as well so Mm. is is this Beckett film you're both on about a 1964 film no no it's got uh, Denzel Washington signing John David Washington it's on Netflix. Yeah. Anyway. It's bad if it didn't come up when I searched it. <laughs> anyway, um, I might go and watch Arsenal lose in the cup to West Brom. So um, I will love you guys and leave you and we'll catch up. Maybe let's wait until after Shang-Chi and then we'll have a couple more What What If episodes as well. But uh, yeah, until that time. Enjoy and yeah, peace out. Keep it sexy. Bye. You remembered this time. <laughs> I don't really have a sign off, do I? You should oh, get I one. You... Oh, okay. we're, still, we're still recording, mate. You should go on. Give us give us one right now. I don't have one, but basically, I, I forgot to say that you can follow us on Instagram at Your Average Critics and Twitter at YC Podcast Seventeen. Listen to our previous episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as Your Average Critics, and if you can leave us a review, then please do. And also keep it sexy. Yeah, keep it all that jazz. But yeah, I don't know. I, just, I don't have a catchphrase enough.